Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. Amen. 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 Can we thank Ryan and the worship team for leading us in worship this morning? They did a fantastic job. Good morning. How are we doing today? We doing all right? If you have your Bibles, if you could turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3 is where we're going to be at today. And uh, it's, it's, you know, as I've gotten older, I, I find that I'm doing things a little bit more that I never said I would do. Phrases I say that my parents said that, you know, you find yourself saying. One of, one of the things that I find myself saying all the time is back in my day, uh, back in my day. Like, I'm not old enough to say that. I'm 38 years old. For, and for some of you, you're sitting here going, oh, you're just a baby, right? You're just a baby. And then there's the young people in here who are going, wow, you're that old? Um, and, and, and I find that I find that I'm old based on certain things like when I work with students and so I'll use like references to TV shows or to music and then when I use those this is how I know I'm old when they look at me like this right like you're saying stuff and, and they're just like what are you talking about and then I'll, and I'll, I'll follow up with well back in my day and I'm like what who says that my dad who says that. so I look around for him and he's not there and I realize that's me saying that stuff and, and one of those things that I find that has kind of had an evolution of time for me um, is kind of like music and especially like headphones. Um, headphones are a big deal like in how it works. Like so I grew up, I was born in 1981, so I'm an 80s and early 90s kid is kind of what, what I am. Um, and so I, back in the 80s it was the boombox, right? And so you have the boomboxes going on. And so that, that whole goal was to get as much sound in one ear as possible, right, and hope that it sticks. And so that's what it, what it happened. And then, then the invention of the Walkman came. And so you thought you were really cool and you hooked your Walkman in. You're like, yeah, that's right. I got my Walkman. And, you put a, and, the, and the headphones for those were those like styrofoam headphones that went on, which I think the whole goal was just to make your ear sweat as much as possible. And, and then they moved uh, to more of the Discman. You remember the Discman? Where you get your CDs and put them in there. And then the headphones for those became more of like um, a plastic like, I don't even know, it felt like just plastic on my ears, which added more sweat than the styrofoam is kind of how that worked. And then they, they invented the MP3 player, and the headphones for those were, they started getting smaller, and they started getting smaller at that point in time. And then the iPod, and now everybody has their music on their phone, right? And so, and now it's as skinny, skinny headphones as, they, as you can get in your ears, and even, even wireless headphones if you're really cool. My, my girls, they're 14 and, and 13 and 14 years old, and they have what are called AirPods are the wireless headphones that go in your ears. And when they wear them, a lot of times they have their hair down. And so you don't even know that they're wearing them. That's how much they can hide that they're listening to music. Their phone's in their pocket, no headphones. And so you don't even know. So they're like walking through the room and I'm trying to get their attention. I'm like, Nicole, Taylor, Nicole, Taylor. I'm like waving my arms in the air. And all of a sudden they turn to me and they give me the finger, the, the pointer one. And um, they say, hold on. Just wait for a second. And, and I'm like, wait, what? I have to wait for you? As they pull back their hair, they pull off their headphones, right? And they're like, yes, Dad. I'm ready to listen to you now. Excuse me, princess. Like, you rule the world here. But then, then I can speak to them. Now, they've given me permission, right, to, to speak to me. I wonder for us as believers if that's what God feels like at times. That as he is trying to communicate with us and he's trying to talk to us, he gets to a place where we go, hold on, 
I have to remove my noise so that I can actually hear what you're going to say. Um, as, a, as a pastor, one of the questions I get a lot of times for all the different things I do is, is hey, how do I know if God is speaking to me? How, how can I tell if he's talking to me right now? And, and how do I hear him? That's a question I get a lot these days from all different, from students, from adults. And, and my first question back to them is always the same. Well, are you listening? Are you actually listening for what God has to speak to you about? And, and it's different answers. Well, I thought I was, or I don't know, and that's why I'm here. And I think that's the question for us today in church. Is if we are going to ask God to speak to us, if we want God to actually talk to us where we're at, we have to recognize, are we actually listening for what he's going to say? In Samuel, in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 3, which is where we're going to be at, I feel Samuel went through a little bit of this kind of figuring out, is this God, is this not, and what's going on. If you go back in chapter 1 and 2, you're going to see that Samuel's mother's name was Hannah. And Hannah was the wife of Elkanah. She was actually one of two wives that Elkanah had. Elkanah's other wife was able to bear children and had no problem telling Hannah that she could have children and that Hannah could not. So she would tease Hannah all the time. And that was what Hannah desired more than anything, was to be a mom. She prayed for that. And so every year they would go up to the temple, and when they would go up to the temple, she would say, Hey, um, Lord, I really want a child. I want to raise kids, and can you give that to me? The priest, Eli, at the time, would come and talk to her and say, you're wailing and weeping. They thought she was actually drunk because she was just weeping so much. She goes, no, I'm, I'm not drunk. I'm actually, I just am crying out to God because I want kids. I want to be a mom. And, and so eventually, God gave that gift to her. God allowed her to have kids, and she gave birth to a son named Samuel. The deal was that she talked with the Lord. She actually told the Lord, hey, if you do this for me, I will give you my firstborn child. I will let him live in the temple. I will let him grow up. He will be yours if you do that. And so as her firstborn son came and, and her, her husband, Elkanah, said, are we going to take him to the temple? She goes, I want to wait. I want to wait till he gets old enough where he's not nursing. He's kind of weaned off the, the mom thing. And we'll take him over there and we'll allow him, present him to the temple at that point in time. And so when he was three years old, three years old, they took him to the temple and they let him there. And, and I love this in chapter 2, is this is what it says about Samuel at that point in time when they dropped him off. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with men. And, and 2.26. You know, you know who else that says that about? In Luke chapter 2.52, when they're talking about Jesus in the temple... They say the same thing about Jesus, is that he grew in stature and in favor with God and men. And that's the description that they gave for Samuel at this time. And so then we get to chapter, chapter 3. And Samuel has been in the temple, and we don't have an exact age. Most scholars believe that he was somewhere between the ages of 10 and 14, probably right around 12 years old. So we're going to say about nine years has passed at this point in time. Samuel has lived in the temple. Mom came. She brought clothes every so often. It says that she actually made a new little robe every year for him to wear. So mom was still around. But for the most part, he lived in the temple. And in chapter 3 is where we're going to start today. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. 
One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. The Lord called Samuel. And this is where kind of our story picks up today, because I think for us, I wonder if at times as we ask God, hey, are you talking to me, if God is, and how do we recognize that? How do we get to that place? And that's what I want to look at. As we look at the life of Samuel, I think there's five questions we can ask ourselves to say, hey, are we, are we listening? Am I listening to what God has? And we can look at that through Samuel's life. And so the first question that we're going to look at is, does God have to fight for my attention? Look here as we keep going in this passage. It says, Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. So he went and laid down. Again the Lord called, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. Now think about this for a second. Samuel's been here for nine years. He's been growing up in the temple, and at this point in time, anytime he hears Samuel call him, he knows that he's supposed to go and do that. That's the attention that he has right now. Samuel, Eli calls, Samuel goes, and that's kind of the relationship he has. And so when God comes in and God says, hey, um, Samuel, he's thinking, he's thinking that, hey, it's obviously can't be the Lord or can't be anything else. It has to be, it has to be Eli. This was the attention that he was used to getting from and where he was pu putting all of his knowledge and thought into, Right? For us, I think we live in a world that we have attention grabbed everywhere. There's so much going on with TV, social media, movies, music, sports, band, extracurriculars, work, work parties, all the things that we have. We have so many things fighting for our attention that, that when God calls for us, I'm wondering if he has to fight for your attention. If he has to fight to get a hold of you. Church even today. In church, church is way different. Back in my day, um, you get that? See what I did there? But back in my day, when I went to church, I grew up in a church that you showed up to the church every time the doors were open, right? Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, special events, potlucks, and boy do I like potlucks. Um, and all these different places, when the church doors opened, we showed up, right? Today it's far different. Today it's, we have all these things going on in life. And I wonder, when can we fit church in this week, right? Which service will I go to to make sure I can check it off my list so I can say I went to church? And don't get me wrong. All the other things that are going on in our lives are important. They are. But they are things that God competes with. They are things that we are allowing God to compete with. And we have to come to a place to say, is God fighting for our attention and should he have to we want God to speak with us we want to hear hey Lord tell me what I'm supposed to do talk to me about where I'm supposed to go do all this stuff and then yet we're not ready to hear it because he's fighting for our attention and can I tell you and as a youth pastor as I get to watch your students and even my own kids can I tell you this is a tough thing kids are busy these days between the 10 sports they play, band, choir, practices, all the things, morning practices, all the stuff, not including, the, they, they're busier than I am. I'll come to kids and I'll say, I haven't seen them in a couple weeks and my whole goal is just to let them know they were missed. Hey, I've missed you, just want you to know that. And they'll go, I know, 
I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, Pastor. And they walk me through the 15 things they had to do. And I'm like, you don't need to explain. I get it, the world is busy. And yet, we want God to speak. Parents, my question for you is what are we teaching the next generation when it comes to that? Because we, we kind of are the ones who help with the schedule, right? You have a pastor, scholarships and all the things. I want my kids' teams. and I get that. But we are responsible for this as well. We first teach them by our example, but then we teach them by what we allow them to do. Does God have to fight for your attention? And are you teaching your kids that he has to fight for their attention as well? But Lord, speak to me when I'm ready. Two, do I know what I think I know? Do I know what I think I know? If you go down there in verse 7, it says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Think about this for a second. Samuel's been in the temple how long? Nine years, right? Nine years. And it says he did not yet know the Lord. What was the boy doing for nine years? What's he doing for nine years that, that it can get to this verse and say he did not yet know the Lord? I'm sure he knew who the Lord was, right? I, I'm sure that he has seen scrolls about the Lord. I, I, I'm sure that he could probably even say, based on the history of what we know about God, he could probably even predict maybe the thinking of where God would go, but yet it still says he did not know the Lord. The key word there is no. In, in, in the Hebrew, that word is yada. That's just a fun word to say. Yada. And what that word means is to know for certain by seeing. To know for certain by, by seeing. It's like, it's like a veil has been lifted and I can see you for the first time. It's not just that I know you're there. It's not just I know that you have a presence here. It's that I know you. I see you. And it says there, it says that Samuel did not yet know. He did not have the seeing. He had not met with God. The, there's a movie back in the 80s called The Princess Bride. How many of you have seen The Princess Bride? One of my all-time favorite movies with pirates and princesses and all these different things going on, right? And there's this, there's this guy in there, his name is Vicini. Vicini is this kind of odd-shaped guy who goes around and he wants to capture the princess and he's trying to get everything going on. And he keeps using this word every time something comes up and it's inconceivable, right? And anything that comes up, no matter what it is, he goes, inconceivable. Even when it doesn't make sense, it's inconceivable. He just says it over and over. It's his catchphrase through the entire movie. Regardless of if it makes sense or not, it's inconceivable. And if you know the movie, he comes and interacts with this guy named Inigo Montoya, another character. And Inigo Montoya looks at him and he says, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. I think that the Lord keeps saying, hey, you say you know me. You keep using that phrase. I do not think you know what that th you think it means. 
right? Samuel, nine years, 24-7, lived there and still did not know the Lord. Do you know what that means? Have you met Have you met with the Lord in a way that's an unveiling? Have you seen him? That when you say, hey, I know God, it's not just that you know about him. It's not that you know what he might do, but you know who God is. If we want to listen and hear from God, we have to be able to know him. And we can't just use that phrase. It was at that point where Samuel didn't know He had not been revealed. He had not seen him. We have to get to a place that we can do that. The third third question is, is can I recognize his voice? Can I recognize his voice? It it gets that place after he says that he had not been revealed. In verse 8 it goes, the Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized I like that. He realized there's, there's a recognition that happened. He says that the Lord was actually calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Do we recognize God's voice? You know, I'm a dad and I love being a dad. And I think I'm a decent good dad. But I've got nothing on mom's. You moms are amazing to me. And the ears you have, I I call them mom ears, are even more amazing. I swear, I've met moms who have been um, sitting in a room, and all of a sudden there's a kid two miles away. The mom's wearing earmuffs. The kid's underwater. And uh, the cry goes off from the kid, and the mom goes, my kid is crying. I must go to them. Boom. And they go, what did you hear? How did you do that? I heard my child. Right? And, and, and you, hear, you hear these things because you hear your kid from a mile away. Another thing, the cries of your child when they're babies. When your baby cries, I hear, wah. Moms, when you hear a baby cry, you understand what it means. You like speak it. It's like the baby goes, I'm very hungry. Wah. And you feed it. The baby goes, I need my diaper changed. Wah! And you change the diaper. I hear, wah! And I go, Mom, go do your thing. Right? Because I don't understand that. I don't recognize that. And I'll ask moms, like, how do you do that? How do you know? Well, I just know. I, rec- I, can, I know the cries. I hear them. You, you have a relationship with your child. And you want that child to be quiet. So you have learned, right? You get to a place where you recognize your child. God does the same thing with us, where we, he recognizes our voice, but I don't think we always reciprocate that. That we have a recognition of who he is and when he speaks to us. How do we do that? We have to begin to practice that in a way that when God calls, we can recognize when he's doing that. And there's different ways to do that. For, for some of us, this is tough. Because we, we, we think we might hear God, but we don't know if it's God or the Taco Bell we had last night, right? For me, it's usually a little bit of both. It's just how it works. And so, so for me, there's a couple things that, that I just kind of go through that says, hey, this is how I know if it's God or not. The first thing is, is does it match up with Scripture? 
When, when you have that feeling that God is speaking, doesn't match up with Scripture. Can I tell you something? This book doesn't contradict itself. If God, if you feel God is speaking to you, if you feel God is talking to you, it will be in this book. And if it goes against anything in this book, I can promise you it's not God. His word is authority. His word is his letter to us. His word teaches us, and it cannot go against it. So that's the first thing. When you think you have heard God and you feel God is speaking to you, you say, how do I know? Start there. The, the second thing is get other trusted believers' thoughts. Surround yourself with people that, that can hear God's voice too. Because here's the deal. If God's talking to you, he's talking to other people too. God doesn't talk to just one person. He talks to all of us. And he doesn't tell us different things. My wife and I, we've been talking through different things in our life, and she goes, well, what, what if you think one way and one do you think the other way? I go, then we're probably not hearing from God. Because he's not going to tell you to go here and me to go there. We go together. Right? So you've got to get other trusted believers with you. And believers is the key word. I meet a lot of people who say, oh, I was talking to my friend the other day, and I know their friend, and I'm like, hmm, not the best choice of person to talk to. And they said, they, I should do this, I should do this. What do you think? You see, if someone who doesn't believe the same thing you do is giving you advice, their moral compass and where they're seeking things from is not the same as you. It doesn't mean that their advice is bad. It just doesn't mean that their advice comes from the place you want it to come from, which is God, right? We want God's answer, and then we go to someone else who doesn't follow the Lord to give us the answer from God. We need other trusted believers in our lives that can help us with this. The, the third thing is, is move forward with humility and faith. And this is what I mean by that. We have to be humble enough to know that we might not know all the answers and have enough faith to follow God when he gives us those answers. I, I, we use in our, in our home the, the word open doors and closed doors. That when we ask God to do something in our life, when we ask for an answer, that we pray for open doors for us to be able to walk through and close doors so we know that that's not the way. This is hard for me because there's sometimes there's things that I actually want to do that I don't really care if God doesn't want me to do them. Yeah, but Lord, I really like this answer. And there seems to be a closed door. So what if I just kick it down and then it's an open door? Right? Isn't that what we do sometimes? Or, Lord, I think this is a closed door, but I can see light. And if I get my crowbar out and pull, there's lots of light. So that's an open door, right? No, if God closed the door, even though that's a choice you may think you want, that's an answer to your question. And when he opens the door, that's an answer to your question. But it takes enough humility to know that God's smarter than you. And enough faith that you trust where he's taking you to be able to follow him in that way. So for us that's a big deal is, is being able to do that. The fourth thing I find in there is how do we know it's God is understand that God speaks to people differently. You know... God talks to every single one of us, but he talks to us in ways that we need it. And so I'll find people all the time where, where they'll tell you a story and they'll say, man, yeah, I felt that Lord spoke to me. It was an audible voice in the voice of Morgan Freeman. And he just spoke to me, right? 
because that's how God speaks. And it's that voice, and he tells me what I'm supposed to do. And I sit there and I go, man, why doesn't God speak to me with Morgan Freeman's voice? I would know exactly what to do there. Because that's not how God talks to me. I have three kids, and all three of my kids, I have to talk to them differently to get them to do what I need them to do or get them to understand something because they're different. And as God is speaking, and I can guarantee God is speaking to all of you in here, he does it differently than, than he does the person next to you. And so when you hear one person's story, we can't match up and go, I guess he's just not talking to me. God just doesn't like me today. No. We have to understand that it's different. The fourth question we need to ask ourselves on if we're actually listening is, am I ready to stop hearing and to start listening? Am I ready to stop hearing and start listening? Because there are two different things. It says this in verse 10. It says, the Lord came and stood there. That's an interesting phrase, right? Stood there. There's a physical presence that's seen, right? He stood there calling out as the other times. Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. There was a change. You see, before this, Samuel heard God's voice, didn't he? Here I am. You're calling. I'm answering. Here I am. I hear you. And here he says, oh, wait, wait, I'm ready. Lord, I recognize you. I heard you, but now I'm ready to listen to you. For those of you who know our journey, we adopted a little boy from China a year and a half ago. His name is Wilson. He is now four years old. And, uh, and Wilson, when he came over, he didn't know any English whatsoever. I can promise you now, after a year and a half, he knows everything that's coming out of our mouths. He, he can understand it. We can't always understand him. Um, we're learning that, uh, and so we need an interpreter sometimes, but we're figuring out. But I can guarantee that he understands everything we say. But he's four. And as a four-year-old, he's also a boy. And as he hears what we're saying, he does not always do what we say. So he's the type of boy where you say, hey, Wilson, we need, don't do that, don't do that. And he'll go, okay. Boop. Did you not hear what I said? Wilson, don't do that. Okay, Daddy. Boop. Wilson, what are you doing? Because there's a difference. So we've had to, we've had to do this thing with him. We're, we're trying to teach him about listening. Listen, Wilson, you need to listen to me. I go, I think, I think your listening ears are off. And so we actually, okay, Wilson, put your hands up to your ears, right? Put them right here. So he puts his hand in, I go, now turn your listening ear on. I go, do, 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 do. And so he does. My little four-year-old, so he puts his hand, I go, turn them on. Do, 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 do. Right? And can I tell you for five minutes, heaven. But then I think the Lord implanted an automatic shutoff switch. And they go off. And so we have to start the whole process over again because he hears, but he does not always listen. God is speaking. And I think sometimes we hear what God is saying, but we're not always ready to listen. Listening 
looks different, and we have to learn how to do it. The, the first thing, if you want to listen to God and actually do that, you have to actually put yourself in a place to listen. You have to, you have to actually have a place where you can actually hear God. Um, when, I, when I was, like I said, I grew up in the 90s, um, and so when I ser- first started dating uh, and, and knowing that there are girls in the world and wanting to talk to them, um, we would go to school, and they, I'd have a girl who's interested and say, hey, I'm going to call you later. Now, ca- talking to a girl on the phone... Um, in my day, was a little different than today. Like, now you talk to the, the person you like with uh, your thumbs. And so uh, that's how you talk. And then um, you go on Instagram and you say, like my recent, and that means you like each other. And then you do all that stuff. And so it's a really good time. And then we just keep texting, right? So in my day, back in my day, we had these things called landlines. Um, these were like cell phones, but they were phones that stayed in your house all the time. And so they're connected to the wall or whatever. And then the, the crazy thing is with these phones, they actually had these things called cords connected to them. And so um, some of you may know what I'm talking about. Uh, others of you are going, what? This is new. How did this sound cool? Um, and so we have these things. And so when a girl said that she was going to call me, I would go home. I would run home. I would get home as fast as I could. I would go, if I was riding the bus, step on the gas lady. There's someone that might call me, right? And I would get home. And what I would do is I would camp out by that phone. I would sit there. If anybody called, get off, get away from my phone. This is my phone today, right? And so this is my phone because I don't want anybody to call when I'm doing that because I'm excited. I'm putting myself, that phone is right there. I'm going to be there. And when that phone rang, I would pick that phone up and when I would answer and it was not that, per- that girl that I was expecting, I'm trying to get her, the, whoever's on the phone off the line and hang up. And then I have this crazy feeling, what if they called while I was on the phone? Oh no, what am I going to do? This is crazy. But I would be there. I'm sitting by that phone. I am ready to hear why. Because I, she said she would call. And then when I'm still there at 10 o'clock at night, she had to call. I'm sad. But, but I was there. I was ready. I was in a place that when that phone rang every single time, I was going to call. We ask God. We ask God to speak to us. God, tell me what I'm supposed to do. But we don't always put ourselves in a position to listen. We don't always put ourselves in a place, it's the fighting for attention, it's all the different things, but, but we go to places that we just don't have that. We have to be in a place that we have a position that we can hear God. So the first place is this book, God's Word. Do you know that He speaks? He gave this to us. How awesome is this? He gave us a letter that tells us what we can do in life. He speaks to us where we're at. He talks to us through this Word. He says you have to just read it, study it, learn it, hide it in your heart. And when you do, you're in a place that when things come up, this, I'll bring it back to your mind. I will speak to you through this book. This is a great place to be in position to hear God. The second thing that you can do is, is praying. Is spending time in prayer and communicating with God, talking to him, telling him your likes, your dislikes, all this stuff. Right when he answers the phone, that's what you do. Having conversations says, God, I want to hear from you. We leave that part out. The third thing is, is, is being around other believers. Being around other believers who are, who are of like-mindedness. It's not about this building to come to church. It's about the people in this building. When we're around other people who love the Lord, we kind of have that thing where we start talking and we start hearing from those things. It kind of goes back to the idea of having trusted believers in our life. But if we, if we want to hear from God... And we want to listen to God. We have to put ourselves in places to actually hear him. I find it always interesting when someone comes up, man, I'm trying to hear from God. He's speaking to me. And I haven't seen them in two months at church. 
Once again, it's not about this building. But I start going, you want the answers. You want God to come in like a genie, but that's not how it works. I'm thankful for you're here for today. But this is a continual thing. The second part about listening to God is you have to be ready to respond. When, when that phone finally rang, I didn't go, oh no. I need to go brush my teeth and put deodorant on. Right? No, I picked up that phone. I said hello. I actually picked up that rung before it rang the first time. Like it's halfway through the first ring. I'm picking up that phone. I'm like, hello. She goes, hello? I didn't even ring on my end. Oh, yeah, phones do that sometimes. No, I'm ready to respond. I am right there. When God calls, there is a response. And that leads us to the last question of if we're going to listen is, will you be obedient? See, the difference between hearing is listening, between hearing and listening is responding, and that equals obedience. Lack of obedience when you listen is not listening. That's in one ear, out the other. That's hearing. There will be an obedient action when we listen to God. And I'm wondering for some of us if we've heard God's voice, we feel that we know what God is saying to us, and we're so scared. So we get to the last part and we start asking questions. Well, is it really God so that we don't have to obey? You look here. In verse 11, right after Samuel says, speak for your servant is listening. It says, and the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from the beginning to the end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of his sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible and he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until the morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him in and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So let me, let me explain a little bit what happened. You go back to chapter 2. Before Samuel, Samuel was growing up, Eli had two sons who were also priests, Hophni and Phinehas. The word of God says that these two sons were wicked. They were priests, but they were wicked sons. They did stuff that was contemptible. They, they went against everything that God stood for, and they did it with no problem, no guilt, no shame. And God comes to Eli. He had a meeting. He spoke. He called Eli. He said, Eli, you need to deal with your sons. You need to let them know that what they're doing is wrong and tell them that they can't do it anymore. So Eli did. He went to his sons. He went to talk to them. He says, guys, what are you doing? They said, hey, this is who we are, Dad. This is what we do. It's all okay. We've been doing it. We're going to keep doing it. It's how it is. He goes, guys, but you can't do that. And they go, well, this is what we're doing. And Eli goes, oh, okay, you should probably stop, though. God comes back to Eli and says, what are you doing? 
they're still going about there. And he goes, I talked to them. They didn't want to change. He says, but I, I told you that you need to make this happen. Stand up. Do what I ask. He goes, if you don't, if you don't make this happen, Eli, consequences are going to happen in your life. You need to do this. Well, Eli did not. And so this is where we show up. Where now we get to a place that God's punishment is happening, the consequences are happening. So, so he goes to a 12-year-old boy. Get this. A 12-year-old boy says, you need to tell your mentor that he did not do what was right in God's eyes. That he is going to punish you. And that you are going to, all the things he told you would happen are now going to happen to you because you didn't listen and obey. So now we have Eli who, he struggled to be obedient. He heard God's voice, did not follow. Samuel comes onto the scene, he tells this 12-year-old boy, which why it says, and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli. You think he'd be afraid? 12-year-old boy. To tell his mentor, his boss, his priest, that this is going to happen. And Samuel is now faced with the same thing. Will he obey? And we see that he does. God's speaking to every single person in here. And as he speaks to us, when he gives us his answer, when he tells us what he wants us to do, there will be a time for you to ask yourself, am I listening? Am I willing to obey? And if there is not a, an obedience, there are consequences. Now, can I tell you, the consequences are not always as punishable and like this. Sometimes the consequences aren't even on this side of heaven. But that does not mean that there aren't consequences. Obedience does not mean what I can get away with, or what can I do without there being consequences? Because that's what I find myself a lot of times. I go, well, what really would happen if I don't follow this? That's not obedience. Obedience is God says, hey, this is what I want you to do, and then you do it. And I believe that God is talking to every single person in this room about something. I don't know what it is. It could be little minute details where he's talking to you. It could be bigger things with your family, with your work, with, with friends, with whatever's going on. Maybe he's telling you to talk to someone you haven't in a while. Maybe he's telling you just to go to someone and give them a word of encouragement because they need it right now. I don't know what it is that God is speaking to you, but I, I guarantee because God is a God of conversation that he is talking to every single person in this room. The question, the simple question is, am I listening? Are you listening? Are you leaving the hearing phase and moving into the responding listening phase? Samuel says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And I wonder today if there's a lot of you in here going, man, I've been trying to talk to God and I don't feel he's talking back. 
If there's things in your life that you sit here and go, I just need an answer. If God would just tell me what's going on. My simple question to you is, well, are you listening? Are you putting yourself in those places to hear? Are you acting in such a way of obedience? Because that's the call for every single person in this room. God is talking to you. I promise you that. The question is, are you listening to it? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, for being a God of conversation who speaks to us, who wants to meet with us, who doesn't leave us. And so, Lord, this morning... This morning we pray that we can not only hear your voice, which we need to hear your voice, Lord, speak to us in a way that we can hear you, but in a way that we can recognize and listen and obey. Lord, may we be a church who can on a regular, consistent basis say, speak, for your servants are listening. How much would this world be different if your people, just your people, as you call them, were obedient to your calls? I pray for the people in here who are struggling right now to make a decision, who are trying. I pray that, that they are able to hear you in a new and mighty way. I pray for the people in here who are at that place that maybe are ignoring. We've all been there, Lord. We don't like what you have to say. (laughs) Pray that we remove that barrier with humility and faith. Lord, I pray for boldness and courage to do the hard thing. It's easy to listen when we like the answer. God, it's not easy when we don't. So I pray for boldness and courage amongst our people to hear and listen, to simply say as we sang earlier, yes, I will, to whenever you call. So that's our prayer, Lord. Speak, for your servants are listening. Amen. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.